Welcome to How Did You Get Here, a career path podcast. This week, I have my really good friend Rachel on to talk about being a TV writer slash kind of an everything writer, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, um, I'm Rachel Lynette. I, like like Jamie said, I, um, I'm a TV writer, but I'm also a playwright, and because I we can't write for TV right now, I'm also starting to do some fiction writing as well. Um, I'm also a teaching artist, and I just kind of do all the things that I can possibly do, trying to learn as much as I can. Super yes. excited to be here. Yes. Oh, my God. I was so hyped when you had time to do this. I mean, not because of why you had time to do this. So <laughs> as of this recording, the SAG and the WGA, we are, we're all on strike right now. And so I thought, what better time, you know, than to talk about how we all decided to do these careers that are not stable. No. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of myths around a lot of different careers, but especially within the TV and film world. So I was super hyped that Rachel wanted to talk to me, you guys. Um, so what did you actually want to be when you grew up? Like when you were a kid? Oh my God. I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid. So I, <laughs> I can totally see that. Huge departure. Um, I wanted to be, well, I either wanted to be a corporate defense attorney or I wanted to be a teacher. And um, and for a little bit, I wanted to be a preacher because I grew up really religious. So it was a, it was a scattered time. Um, but yeah, I like when I was a kid and I would watch those rom-coms, right? Like yeah. the people with the best apartments had, were corporate lawyers. And I was like, I like that apartment. So that's what I want to do. Like <laughs> <that's> <laughs> what, I was thinking about the life I wanted and the life that I wanted. I was like, what can afford the life that I deserve? Corporate defense attorney. I want to work for Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm internally screaming because that's such like kid logic where we're just like, yeah, like that's what I want. And and that tracks knowing you as an adult, that absolutely tracks. Like I can see it. And I was like, come on, Pastor Lynette. Like I could totally <laughs> see you. <laughs> I could totally see you. Like turn to your neighbor, say neighbor. Like I, neighbor. <laughs> I love it. I what do you think the like connection between all of those are besides obviously like just wanting to afford the nice New York apartment, which is hilarious because I just re did my annual rewatch of um, uh, You've Got Mail. Yeah. And it's hilarious because they their apartments are so insanely nice. But yeah, there's some kind of weird. I feel like they're all all of those are a little bit connected especially teacher and and lawyer because you're just interpreting mm -hmm. things for people right same thing with scripture with being a pastor right I think like the joke that I have about like wanting to be a pastor is I wanted a captive audience and so like <laughs> I have that Hello, as a monkey. playwright and a TV writer it's like you have to be here now and listen to me um but like deeper than that yeah like I wanted um I wanted to be able to like have like deeper conversations with people and I think that's all that teaching is it's a conversation I mean, that's all that I think the good preachers, like the, the two of them that exist, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're hard to find. They're just having conversations with people. And I wanted to find a way to be like, hey, this thing sucks. Can we talk about this thing that sucks? Yeah. And can we figure out how to together make it a little bit better? And that's kind of what my writing does. That's what I, as a lawyer, I would have been a, hu well, as much as I say corporate defense attorney, like I probably would have gone into human rights law. Um Preacher, again, when you're a little kid, you think that, like, they save the world. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. I, I'm I'm going to have to change your name in my phone to <laughs> Sister Lynette now. Like, you're not getting away from that. <laughs> I'm just, I'll put a little fan next emoji next to your name. Yeah. Uh, 
but what was your actual first job? Um, God, my first, like first job ever, my first job ever was, I was, um, I don't even know what my job title was. Um, <laughs> Relatable. Like, I worked at Allstate Insurance. Um, can I curse? Can I curse on this? Please. And I feel like I was just everybody's bitch. Like, I don't really know what yeah. my actual job title was, but like my job was to like file thing, a lot of filing, a lot of filing, answer the phone and forward it and like mail things. That was my first job. I got it when I was 15 and I was so excited about having my own money. <laughs> Come on, child labor laws. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> I have so many questions now. Well, and I think too, they, they, you were an administrative assistant, but they couldn't call you that because you were 15. So I'm assuming they were just like, it's Rachel. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know how they paid me. I assume it must have been under the table. I mean, I had checks, so like it wasn't like they were paying me cash. But yeah, I mean, I think fifteen. Well, I think some states it's actually fourteen. But mm. you know, we're doing this slow regression to child labor. Uh, in yeah. case people listening have not been watching the news, mm. um, but I could totally see how maybe the experience in that office really kind of solidified the fact that you were like, yeah, no, this is not for me. Like normal jobs, not it. <laughs> it didn't make me happy. No. And I did it for years. I did it all of like from 15 to end of my high school. Like that's just what I did. Wow. Um, and then like stupidly, cause I'm in nuts, um, clinically even, I <laughs> got my, my next job, which I only did for like, I did not last very long. I did it for three months was I had a summer job working at a retail clothing store. Oh, um, yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'd rather file papers. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this either. <laughs> so. Do you want to fold clothes or file papers? Like, I feel like that's the two sort of entry level, you know, jobs yeah. for so many people. Um, and two, I think the fact that you held that for so many years and you were taking care of people's very confidential information. Yeah. I, I think that that sort of galvanized you in a way for adulthood because a lot of us don't see that inter-office culture and politics maybe at such a young age right yeah like for me I mean I talk a lot of shit about that job but I did teach me a lot of really great organization skills that I carried on later on in life and like I'm a very messy person I mean obviously this is a podcast but like my apartment is not clean but like my shit is in order if that makes any sense absolutely absolutely. my documents are in line like I know where things are um and I think it's because I got that job when I was pretty young I was kind of a busy kid in general though but um yeah I think it definitely showed me the life I didn't want um but also at the same time prepared me for the life I did you know what's funny is so many people in our friend group that we take advice from and that we admire we were all busy children and I think there's a bigger story that might be told there when we get yeah. to the end of this first season of this podcast but uh what do you feel like was kind of the turning point air quotes in your career like was there a major event or a major job choice or anything that kind of pushed you more so this direction yeah so um failing failing a lot is then, what pushed me in this direction I am um, so I went to I went to college, went to undergrad at Notre Dame, and I um was like, okay, I'm gonna be a classics anthropology major so that I can go be a corporate defense attorney and I can make that Microsoft money. And 
I don't like anthropology, like no disrespect to anthropologists <laughs> out there, but I find it very boring. I was just like, I was in the back of my class dying while everybody else was like, this is so fascinating. And I was like, if I have to read about one more fucking monkey, I'm going to set this whole place on fire. Um, so I didn't like it. I didn't like anthropology, failed that. And then my classics was a nightmare. Like I took Greek first because I'm insane and like ancient Greek. The language doesn't really use syntax, which is just a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so I failed that. And then after I failed, next I was like, okay, I got it. I figured it out. I'm not going to be <laughs> – I'm not going to be a defense attorney. I'm going to be a translator. They make money if I work for the government. Were so you I still think, in college when you decided yeah. that? Okay. okay. Oh, this yeah, is all so, in college. I'll let oh, you know. Yes, I was going to say – yeah, I was going to say, because we all at 20 are like, oh, right. I'm now in my 20s. I'm no longer a teenager, and I know what I need to do. <laughs> right. I'm so smart now. I figured it all out. I'm an adult. Um, yeah. So then I was like, okay, not that. I'm going to be a translator. And so then I was, romance languages was my major, which meant that I was majoring in both Spanish and Italian at the same time, um, with a minor in Portuguese. And then I was also taking Arabic classes. And... I lasted a week in Arabic and I was like, no, <laughs> hard. No, thank you. Um, you I were trying to Spanish. Wait, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was saying you were trying to like Rosetta Stone this shit. <laughs> like... I was going to figure it out. I thought I had the magic brain and I, I don't have the magic brain. Um, like I was, I grew up speaking Spanish and somehow still got a C and I was like, how is this happening to me? <laughs> Native English speakers who still fail English. So, you know. I mean, the grammar, the grammar got me because I was like, this doesn't make sense. Nobody talks like this. <laughs> no, I know. No, that's so funny because that's what tripped me up in college too. And I switched, I decided to take German, even though I had taken like seven and a half years of Spanish. <laughs> and I was like, because you know, it's going to be easier. Another language. What? Nope. Anyway. <laughs> the things we do when we think, I, when we think we're the smartest person in the room, we're like, I know, I got this. I, I got this. <laughs> Um, no, now an angry owl is teaching me Italian, even though I did graduate with that minor. Um, so what happened next? Okay. Then I was like, okay, I can't do this either. I'm then this is where I got to the film industry hilariously. And I was like, I'm going to be a director of photography. I'm going to go be a, even though I'd never picked up a like a real camera before I'd never filmed anything before. I just decided I learned what it was from an L word episode. And I was like, she's cute. I want to do that. <laughs> This is why Rachel and I are friends, y'all, because we're both just like, why not? Why not try? Like, Why not? It's great. I love that you're like, oh, that's a cute woman with a job. I'm going to copy that. Make that my whole personality. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. Um, so anyway, luckily I did switch to film and then I had to take an arts requirement. And I was like, that's stupid. My whole major is arts. Right. Um, and then took script analysis. And that is the class that changed my life. But like the okay. journey there was hilarious. And I wanted to share it. Um, I'm so glad you did. because <laughs> I'm sorry, but taking four languages at once, certifi <laughs> certifiably insane, ma'am. Forget <laughs> Sister Lynette. Your name in my phone is just now Sister Stone for Rosetta Stone. <laughs> because I'm... <laughs> I'm just, I think this is good for people to hear though, because again, there's all this mythologizing of, of mm -hmm. like, okay, this director, this auteur was from a young age, knew that they wanted yeah. to take photo, you know, like, and not everybody has that. So I love that when you were 
about to graduate, you were like uh, shooting from midcourt to sink that basket <laughs> for <laughs> film. Wasn't sure I was going to make it. And I actually ended up switching. So I didn't even stay a film major. I switched <laughs> to theater <laughs> after my script analysis class. Um, and still hadn't figured out. So now I'm in theater. Yay, I made it. Fought like hell to graduate on time. I don't know how I did it. That's kind of a miracle. My GPA is a disaster. Um, yeah. Who cares? And yeah, thankfully now, now who cares? But they cared yeah. before, Jamie. <laughs> I know. I listen. Uh, that academic scholarship life was rough. It was rough. Um, so yeah, then I wanted to work in arts admin. And I thought I was going to be like an artistic director, executive director, managing director. Um, but only got a job in Arkansas. So I was like, here I go to Arkansas. Um, <laughs> so from Indiana to Arkansas. And um, miserable there. And I took a playwriting class. And then that's what I think kind of solidified the, the journey. Because um, I loved that class. It ended up making me apply to get my MFA in playwriting. Um, then I became a playwright because I'm that kind of person where I just wake up one day and say, I'm going to do it, and then I do it. Which I love. I admire that so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, playwriting segue into TV. So, uh, mm -hmm. I, You guys don't understand what Rachel just condensed in like seven less than seven minutes because – I'm hoping that people listening are taking notes of like, okay, there's a level of self-discovery I feel like that has to happen. And also you have to really have life experience in order to translate that life experience to a story worth telling to people. And it's something I keep uh, discussing with the, not just the people I have on this uh, podcast, but people you and I know in real life. And um yeah, that was like the hella abridged version of <laughs> undergrad to graduate school. Where did you go to grad school? U, U of A, University of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Okay, I thought so. Um, wow, what a journey. Like just, can you talk a little bit about um, getting eyes on a script from a TV perspective? Like when you decided, okay, I'm going to be a playwright, how did you then pivot that into the TV script world? Yeah. Um, I, I will say just off the bat before I get into it is my journey in TV was very different. Um, and so I'm going to have to go backwards a little bit and then go forwards. So I won this like big theater award or whatever. And then after I won that award, um, a lot of TV people, like this is the award where like TV people are like, who's won it? Who's won it? A lot of TV people then were all up in my business. I had like emails every day from agents like, hey, hey, hey. And I was like, <laughs> TV's gross. I want to be a playwright. Like I don't want to TV. I don't want to do that. And so I remember like I had an agent from CAA was blowing me up. And then when I said I didn't want to write for TV, he was like, well, you're wasting my time. And then just like hung up on me. So it was like bizarre. Um, and so then luckily I met my agent now who's at WME and he was like, I don't care if you don't want to write for TV. I don't care. Um, if you change your mind, we have a TV division. But if you don't, you don't. And so luckily he like kind of met me where I was at, which I felt really lucky for. Um, then everything that else happened was just dumb fucking luck. So I have a play from 26. And I like for everyone listening, I know it was dumb fucking luck. I'm incredibly thankful. I'm going to talk about this really shittily, but it's I'm so happy this happened to me. I have a play from 2016 that is on YouTube right now called Abortion Road Trip. Um, and so, if, God, how do I even put these pieces together? There was a producer in Chicago who was friends with 
um, the showrunner who had written for um, Dear White People, who had got his own show through Netflix. Um, and the producer in Chicago, a different person, somehow stumbled across my play on YouTube. It's kind of hard to find. Like, you have to direct put in the right things. And then sent that to the showrunner. The showrunner was looking for TV writers. And the showrunner reached out to me via email and was like, hey, I watched your play. Um, do you have any interest in writing for TV? And I was like, which one of my fucking friends is conning me right now? Like, I've already told all of you that I don't want to write for TV. Somebody is clowning you. Like, I would have had the same feeling of, like, who? Who is, like, BSing me with these emails knowing that I don't want to do this? Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So, but then they attached, uh, Ian, he attached the deck for the show. And it was, like, astrology and magic. And it was, like, in the desert, which I love making fun of, especially right now. What's going on? Burning Man, may they all be safe. Um, with white <laughs> people in the desert being acting a fool. And so um, I was like, okay, well, I do want to write this, though. So, fuck, right. I guess I'm going to. And so, honestly, it was that he we met. Um, he seemed really cool. And I didn't have to have uh, anything. I didn't have a spec written. I didn't have a sample. I had nothing. All I had was my play. Um, and I got in the room and then my agent, Michael was like, you need a TV agent. <laughs> he said, you didn't want to do this, but you do. And so then that's how I got my agent grace. Um, and, and I also have managers, but whatever, but I don't want to talk about all those people. So many people. Um, so yeah, and I just kind of, like, literally stumbled into it and was, like, really cocky about it because I was, like, these TV writers don't know anything about writing and then was immediately humbled, which is yeah, good. <laughs> immediately humbled. I was, like, oh, no, what is this now? <laughs> this structure is nuts. Um, so that was my first time. I will say that, like, that show never got made. <laughs> we wrote a whole season. Sad. And for the next show that I got staffed on, I did need a sample, so... I love that you acknowledge that it's dumb luck because that's how I feel when people ask about anything that I do. But also so much of that is just what you said at the beginning. You decided to do it. Mm -hmm. And yes, it was quote unquote luck that these other people acknowledged what you were doing. But also I think you had the bravery to put yourself out there. And that's kind of the only advice that I feel like applies to every area of these jobs that I've been asking people about but I think that's more or less kind of we've already answered this but was there any sort of education that you received either formal or not that you felt like was just especially beneficial to your career path um I think working with as much people as you can I feel really lucky that I got to work on a show before I had to be on a show and I really don't know if that makes sense but like what I mean by that is I learned about tv structure I learned about how character works, how story works, um, f kind of through the fire. Like, I was already staffed by the time I was learning all of this. Um, and so I would say, like, if you're looking to get into it, like, meet up with writers, just, get, like, form a writer's group, buy, buy a book. There's so many out there. Story by Robert, what's-his-face, is, like, the biggest one. Um, I can't remember his last name right now. Um, but there's so many. I mean, there's so much online resources, too. Just, like, read a bunch of scripts. And just start writing. Just start doing. I think once you just start doing, you get people in a room. I know a lot of people like to bitch about formatting, but, like, you can write it and film it on a camera, on a phone camera, and then send in the what you filmed on your phone camera, and no one's going to care about your formatting if they really love the story that you filmed, you know? 
well, they'll care, but it's they're not going to care enough to not hire you if they exactly. So um, that's what I think I would say is just start doing it and trial and error. Like I, the reason why I like to tell my story about undergrad is because it was all trial and error. It was like I'm going to do this. Nope, I'm going to do that. Nope. And I think that's also how I approach my career too. And I think that's the best way to do it. No, I couldn't agree more. I think that your career especially speaks to the idea again, like we've said earlier, just like literally just Nike it, just do it. Like just Mm -hmm. try. Um, And I think a lot of people are either self-sabotaging or they say they're afraid, but what they're really afraid of is what if it actually works, (laughs) you know, Um, which is a whole other conversation of making space for success in your life. Uh, But what's kind of made you, quote unquote, stick it out, like what may or until you air quotes again, made it like what keeps you going or if you feel like you haven't again, air quotes made it yet. I don't feel like I've made it. I feel like I'm like, 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 what is that consistently emerging? You know, like, yes, I don't feel like I've made I don't you know, as I'm looking at my bills and it's just about rent, I do not feel like anybody's made it in this household. (laughs) Relatable. God, relatable. Yes. (laughs) Um, I, I feel like I've made it further than I thought I might when I first started. And that's really exciting. Um, I think that there are other people that look to me and say that I've made it because of, like I said, some of the theater prizes that I have, um, and that I've been staffed twice, but there's still, and, oh, and I was writing a feature before the strike happened. You were, and I'm very sad about that right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Um, support writers, please, God, please. Um, (laughs) but for me, I think that what keeps me going is that I, as someone who is incredibly arrogant and cocky is I want to see how far I can go, you know, like I just constantly am like, I'm constantly impressing myself, which I know sounds really arrogant, but I think you kind of have to be in this career. You absolutely have to. I wish people could see, well, I'm glad they can't see my face right now, but I wish people could see the reactions that you and I are both having because it takes I just feel like that meme of um, Angelica's mom from the Rugrats where she's like, yes. if Angelica's going to survive in this world, she's got to eat, sleep, and breathe self-esteem. Like, not only as women and not only you as a woman of color, but it, to have the audacity to try, I think is so important. And I'm just sitting here nodding my head. Yes, please continue. Yes, you are not cocky. I think you've absolutely earned the right to be a little, first of all, I hate that word, arrogant. Like, I think it's right. such a puritanical concept. Like, who cares? Um, but you've absolutely earned the right to be arrogant. Please continue what you were saying. I just had to <laughs> chase yeah. that thought. <laughs> no, of course. Um, I mean, honestly, it's just that, like, I keep wanting to, like, outshine myself. Like, I want to keep doing things that keep surprising even me. And that's kind of what keeps me going is that, like, well, there's two things. There's that. There's the, like, I'm an ambitious, intense person, and I want to see how far I can go. And I don't want to ever say I gave up too soon. I don't want to ever have that be something that I said. But then I also like a big part, like speaking of being like for women of color out there, like I want to be able to break that door open so other people can walk in behind me. I think that like it's not just about walking through the door if you're going to close it behind you. It's about walking through the door and literally removing it from the the door from its hinges. Like being like there will be no door now. (laughs) Like Now y'all see why she wanted to be a pastor. a great pastor <laughs> you, you would have been amazing people can't see but I'm like waving my hands like <laughs> church is in session anyways <laughs> so yeah that's what it is for me is just keep making sure that there's room for people after me and going as far as I can go so 
God, that's that's why we're friends. It's because I have that same, like that same, into, you just have to have a hunger for it. Yeah. Like, and I think that that's not something you can give somebody. It's something you have to find within yourself. And I think it's really obvious when you were saying, you know, I want to see how far I can go. That's exactly it. Like if my, my grandmother before she passed would say things like, you know, bigger idiots, meaning like people stupider than you have done more than this with less. Right. So I just, I really always connect with people with that ethos and clearly, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, is there anything else that maybe you feel would be beneficial for people to know or sort of like a, if you were going to give this career a warning label, <laughs> what would it be? Cause I know, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but I'm interested. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to say. God, there's so many, just one. I know. Um, <laughs> A warning label for this career. Uh, someone said something to me once that I really like, and it's don't take it with you. And mm -hmm. basically what that means is that you're going to come across people in this career, in any career, who don't believe in you, who think you're an absolute joke, who tell you how untalented you are, um, and just don't. Don't internalize that. Don't let anybody sink into you. Like... I know that we like like to say like don't be surrounded by hype. Absolutely be surrounded by hype, man. Absolutely get people who are in your corner who love you, who will tell you the truth. Will be like, you know, I'm your biggest fan, but this page needs to be fixed. Um, but like, and don't don't take anything else with you. Like, there are going to be showrunners. There's going to be directors. There are going to be like really important, famous people who are going to say really horrible things to you. Don't take it with you. Um, the only thing that you should take with you are things that help you move forward. Mm. And that I think is the warning label that I have, which is kind of like more of an advice than a warning label. It's okay. Um, it's a long, we'll print it out on a sticker. Yes. So <laughs> it'll be huge, but it'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. Um, yeah. All my other warning labels are like so specific. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. 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 Like <laughs> mine are always like, uh, please, for the love of God, sleep and drink water and take vitamins. So I get it. It's very, you know, case by case situation. But um, ooh, ooh, yes. One warning label that I think of: if something feels wrong, get out. Like if Amen. something feels wrong, get out of there. It probably is, and it's gonna blow up. It always does. Amen. I've said amen more this episode than I think any other episode because again, it just the church of Rachel is open, y'all. Like I'm and I will be a first member of the congregation. I will be first lady of the congregation. <laughs> Front row with my hat. Um well, I just adore you so much and I I love all your work and I think the takeaway from this episode specifically that I hope people have is that if you just do the work and put it out there, you can only go up. There's, there's, you can only go up from having nothing. So yeah. <laughs> I hope people take that with them. Um, and I just appreciate you taking time to share your, your journey publicly, even though I knew all the details. <laughs> uh, but if someone wants to find your website, where can they find you? Uh, com. Super easy. Perfect. We Super love sweet. that. Um, and then if there's anything else you want to plug, feel free. But if you just want people to go to the website, that's fine too. I mean, we're striking. Go to the website. Um, yeah. I got nothing else going on right now. I know. Other than my sad, sad sewing. Um, so go to the website. Um, and yeah, and I need to update it. So that's actually probably a good reminder for me because I don't think any of my TV stuff's on there. But 
<laughs> Oops. Um, I also didn't get a grant because they're like, are you really a TV writer? And I was like, yes. And they're like, it's not on your resume. And I was like, okay, give it to me anyway. <laughs> right. Like, it's not on my resume. You can look at IMDb anyways. That's a whole other we could have a whole side episode just on this industry, y'all, and specifically the barriers. So anyways, Rachel, thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to talk to you as always. Uh, don't forget to rate this podcast on Spotify and Apple, y'all. I appreciate you tuning in.